Well, the Liberal government took a lot of criticism from firearms groups for some of the provisions that were in Bill C-21, the years-old bill. It's been around for over three years now, I think, um, that would have banned about 1,500 different kinds of guns when it was first brought forward, and then almost another 500 were added to it after that. Well, now they've tweaked it, revamped it. There's a series of amendments that address some of those concerns that were raised by firearms groups. Did they address it enough? I don't know. We'll find out. So now they're facing a whole bunch of heat from gun control advocates who say, you've gone too far, and now you're watering down your own efforts to fight gun violence in Canada. So Let's find out exactly where we are and how both sides are feeling about it. We're going to chat now with Rod Giltaka. Rod's been with us before. He is the CEO and Executive Director of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Rod, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Shay. The initial legislation, um, hundreds of guns had been added to a list of banned firearms in Canada. Couldn't be bought, couldn't be sold, and eventually couldn't be owned. Um, the criticism at the time, it had unfairly targeted law-abiding gun users, right? It was just way too broad. That was the original concern. Yeah, well, it, it, <laughs> it affected only, exclusively, licensed gun owners, and that was the problem we had with it. Um, okay, so... Let's get into that a little bit more, because there was the model of gun, right? That that was part of the problem. But when you talk about only licensed gun owners, those are the only ones the government would know about, right? I mean, that, that that's the only way to enforce their own law would be with licensed gun owners. <laughs> that's correct, yeah. Um, when we talk about the amendments, what they've done, the changes that have been made here, it all a lot of it comes down to the definition of what kind of gun shouldn't be allowed. Um, walk us through the change, and if you think it it's enough of a change. Well, the the change is really just a um, a change in presentation. They've just rearranged the plate and fed you the same meal. So originally, uh, they had a list of uh, of firearms they thought were just too dangerous for Canadians to own, even though they've been owned in some cases for a hundred years by people in Canada. Um, and that was, that was politically too much for them. So they came back and are going to do exactly the same thing. So they're changing a definition and they're saying only guns that are made in the future will be banned based on these, uh, on these uh, characteristics. But in the interim, we're going to create the Canadian Firearms Advisory Committee again, stack it with gun control advocates, law enforcement, uh, industry leaders, or whatever they, they say. And that committee will tell us which firearms that we haven't banned should be banned, and then we will ban them by order and council like they did back in May 2020. Those are the words of Marco Mendicino. So they're like, well, we'll ban them now or ban them later. It's your choice. Okay, a couple of things there. Let's let's get into it a little bit deeper. First of all, um, the, the fact that they're saying if you have guns now, don't worry about the guns that you have. We're only going to deal about guns made after this bill comes into effect. You don't buy it. You don't believe it. You think there'll be a backdoor on this. Well, it's exactly what Marco Mendicino said just on Monday. That's what he said in his, his press conference because I'm putting that in our national television show and on our podcast. I just watched the clip like literally four minutes ago. So he said, whatever the, the committee comes up with and says that is too dangerous to own and should be prohibited, we will prohibit those using order and counsel. That's exactly what he said. So we're going to take them at their word. Um, in terms of the advisory council, the committee, um, you, you're saying it will be stacked with gun control advocates. Certainly they have a role. He said that. But he also said people like your group would have a role. They'll also be consulting with you, Rod. Nope. 
That's not at all what he said, because I have what he said written down right here. He said, voices from rural and northern communities. Right. We don't know who those are. Indigenous peoples, for sure. Industry leaders, law enforcement, gun control advocates, and many more. So, you know, you'd think that gun owners would have a seat at that table. Well, wouldn't that be the Northerns? That would be that would be the indigenous population. They were cited as being unfairly targeted in this when he talks about law enforcement. Uh, all the, I mean, there's definitely room for groups like yours in there. I mean, he didn't name you out specifically, but don't you think you have a place in that discussion? Oh, I definitely do. I definitely do, yeah. Uh, and you'd be interested in being part of any advisory council, obviously, right? Oh, of course, of course. I mean, they're... they're Canadians own firearms for good and sufficient reasons, and we have firearm ownership is not new in Canada. It's the politics that's new. So we just need to bring a little bit of honesty and reasonableness back in this national mm. conversation. What does that look like, Rod? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, personally, and I've talked about this before, I, I don't know if we need any new gun control around these kinds of weapons specifically. I think we've we've done a pretty nice job with it historically. I don't know if we need to take this giant step based on something that happened in another country. But, okay, here we are. What kind, when you talk about having a sensible discussion and, and common sense, what does that look like? like what, what do you think is reasonable when it comes to the control of guns in Canada? Well, in Canada, firearms are among the most, well, they are the most controlled piece of property that a civilian can own. And our firearm control regime is extremely strict, especially when they talk about the the AR-15. Yeah. Uh, the AR-15 is a restricted firearm in Canada. They're registered. The government knows where they're stored, who owns them. You can only shoot them at an approved shooting range. You can only drive straight there and straight back. And they have strict storage requirements as well and transport requirements. Like, it takes a lot of effort, and you get a daily background check for the rest of your life, basically, when you have a PAL, a, a license in Canada. So this is a very small group of people and a very diligent group of people. So, you know, and they're blaming all of this street crime. They're blaming firearm-related violence on people like that. And I think, and this is encouraging, Shay, I think Canadians are starting to figure it out a little bit more because support for the Liberals' completely irrational and discriminatory attack on licensed gun owners is not as popular as it was. And this is why you're seeing this climb down and this repackaging of the same thing. They're trying to, they're trying to keep the, the, uh, the pandering for votes and the support of anti-gun organizations going. At the same time, they're like, well, this is, this is killing us in the polls. So it's a, they're in a tough spod by their own, by their own hand. Well, the thing is, Rod, I mean, the, the, those groups are mad at them now, too. <laughs> they, they've, they've gone and watered down the legislation, and they've and sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, shot themselves in the foot. They're not happy about it either. Well, well, they shouldn't be. They've, they, they, this is a total disaster, right? I mean, when, when you're talking about banning firearms, you're having the government step into people's lives that have done nothing but comply. And people resent that. I mean, I think, I think all Canadians have felt that over the last couple of years. The government overreaching, stepping in their lives, turning it upside down, and and people are sick and tired of it. And, you know, the government has a lot of problems. There's an opioid epidemic. There's a disastrous prolific offender issue, like bail reform. Mm-hmm. As a result of their, the Liberals, Bill C-75, police across the country are saying, repeal Bill C-75, and a raging gang problem. Canada is more dangerous now, after eight years of more gun control, than it was back in 2013, when we, did, when we had far less gun control. So it's it's like people are I'm hoping Jay that people are starting to figure this out and it's this is nothing but divisive and corrosive to our country.
Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are. I mean, we, we know that there are still um, people who, who would like to see more gun control, but uh, we'll see we'll see where this ends up. Um, but I think you're right, uh, feeling a lot of pressure. Rod, thank you so much for being us. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. I appreciate being here. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.